Welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. I'm Allison Sullivan, and this is a podcast about sometimes saving the world and sometimes just surviving in it. In the next hour or so, we will nurture our friendships, explore our joy, shake our fists, all while trying to serve our God, and most likely, all while wearing pajamas. I hope you hear something that lets you know you are loved and helps you love one another. Welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. This is an episode where I'm just going to let everyone else do the talking. Did someone just say finally? Fine. I understand. Listen, I have no wisdom at all on the topic of food. None. Goose egg. My relationship with food is fickle. It's turbulent. It's confusing. I find food to be intoxicating, harmful, evasive. Food makes me feel lonely, compulsive, and ashamed. So I guess food is like a toxic flipping ex-boyfriend? Great. So then why do I love it so much? I guess that's the problem with toxic ex-boyfriends too. I know it's not supposed to be this way. I know eating is not supposed to be this hard. And yet I don't feel like I'm ever going to gain any ground in this area of my life because I have been talking about the same thing for years. Years. The conversation has evolved a tiny bit, but not much. Food used to be primarily about my weight, the right genes, the upcoming beach trip. And slowly as I've matured, so is my perspective. Eating hasn't been tied only to how I look, but I've recently started to link it up as a sign of my spiritual health. I've started to look underneath my impulses in an effort to understand them better. And truthfully, I haven't gotten very far, but I'm at least looking further than the numbers stitched into my pants. Honestly, when I pray about this, my prayer is, Lord, just go to the broken places. I don't even know what they are, but please just go there. A couple of years ago, on July 4th, the Beefy family was spending the night at our house. Our neighborhood holds a parade that gathers at the park right outside our front door. This year, we had chosen to forego the parade. We had stayed up late the night before, talking about food, of all things, health, our bodies working out, the idea of body as temple. And I had spent a fair amount of time confessing, perhaps for the first time in significant detail, my issues surrounding eating to live instead of living to eat. This morning in particular, while our neighborhood gathered and paraded and celebrated, we chose to watch our beefy babies do arts and crafts and jammies instead, while we parents brewed another pot of coffee. And next thing we knew, it was noon. As we were cleaning up breakfast, there was a knock at my door. I was standing at my kitchen sink, and I remember looking out the window, stiff-backed, alarmed, wondering who was at the door. Then I remember looking at the oven to see what time it was, thinking that the numbers on the clock might give me a clue as to who was knocking. Had I forgotten something? Then I remember looking down at my ensemble, what I was wearing, pajama pants, and what I wasn't wearing, a bra, and then looking back at the clock and feeling anxious about to whom I might have to explain what. Frankly, I just didn't want a visitor. I could hear Seth closer to the front door answering it. 
And then I heard Beefy yell, Stop! I was alarmed. I looked at her and realized she was talking to me. What are you doing? she said. I didn't know. But as I surveyed where I was and what I was doing in an effort to answer her question, I realized somehow, without even really being aware, I had walked over to the fridge and opened it and was surveying what was inside for I didn't even know what. Beefy, having just watched me finish two eggs and Greek yogurt with grain-free granola, knew that I wasn't hungry. And with last night's conversation and a new awareness of my struggles fresh on her mind, she apparently felt obligated to, well, shout. And don't we need that? The shouters in our lives? The pointing people who answer the call when we confess that we're confused? The truth was I didn't know what I was doing. I was just doing it. It was reflex. But being startled out of that reflex taught me that anxiety, being brawless in front of my neighbors at noon after my kids had wrecked my house with construction paper and paint and glitter, was apparently a precursor to stuffing my face. I really don't have much more awareness than just that. I use food for comfort. If I'm bored, if I'm worried, if I'm sad, I reach for a quick fix. And I have simply got to start learning to engage my brain in times like this because I know that I know that I know that overeating causes me more worry and more stress. Giving in to this impulse makes it worse. And then I end up feeling terrible that I cannot seem to figure this out. But I also know this. Self-condemnation undermines the acceptance and care that God offers me. And I am tangibly shown that love, that care, when Beefy yells, stop, or when my friend Donna shares her wisdom, or when my friend Rachel says, me too. This is the kindness of God. And his offering extends to me even when I'm weak. God has promised me that his care will satisfy the thirst of my soul in a way that food or anything else could not. I've been leaning into the story of the woman at the well lately. It started as a feminist practice of celebrating the first evangelist, but in my celebrating her, this verse caught my eye. From the book of John, but he said to them, Jesus to his disciples, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus is teaching me through awareness and stillness and prayer and worship and moving my body and meditating and serving that I sit at God's table to fill my hungry soul. Jesus is my only coping mechanism. I've said it. I'll say it again. I don't have this figured out. But I am learning to ask myself what I'm feeling before I eat. I'm learning to fast as a spiritual discipline of self-denial. And on good days, it teaches me that I can actually be happy without the things I crave. On bad days, all I think about while not eating is eating. And then I try not to have road rage or cuss in front of the kids. I will say, the more that I talk about this, the better I feel, the more normal I feel. I've always known that I had food issues, but because I'm fairly thin and because I've never had anorexia or bulimia, I didn't think the way that I've struggled with food counted. 
I've found that my spiritual health, how well I'm in tune with God, is often contingent with what I take in and what I leave out. So wouldn't it make sense that this everyday occurrence would be the same? There's a small voice inside of me that knows the answer to that question. Hello, Allison. How are you? <laughs> I'm so good. I'm I'm so glad to have you on um, for a couple of reasons. Number one, I love your family. Your family is just near and dear to my heart. That's I feel so like I don't know you very well yet, although I'm going to warm my way into your life. Um, come on. <laughs> come on in. I adore your daughter. We were at a function together, and she stopped me and was like, if we were handing out Best Dressed Awards... I, you would get my best dressed award. Well, and you just stole my heart. Like yeah. that one, that one comment, and we're besties. And then we started talking for a little bit, and I was right. Like we just yeah. were fast, fast friends. And you live here in town with mm-hmm. me, and she visits you, and so we try to arrange dates when she's in town. Mm-hmm. And and you went up and did a retreat. Yes, for the Saint Anne's group at her parish. I did. Yeah. I did, and I. We, I've been to your lovely home. I can't get enough of your house. You just crazy. have the most... It's a crazy house. I love it. You just have the most interesting life. And then most recently, we were on a talk show together. Right. And you are just a wealth of knowledge about something I know so little about. Well, I describe it as fun facts you never knew you needed. Right. Yes, I lo- <laughs> that's good. That's really good. But we were talking together during that half hour or whatever it was, and I just wanted to sit at your feet. I just wanted you to keep going and keep going and keep going. So tell us a little bit about who you are, what you're here to talk about today, okay. how you got interested in it, why you care, Okay. all of that. Well... I first started studying nutrition when my mom decided she was going to clean up our diet. So I was probably eight years old or so. That's way before it was cool. Yeah, way before. She was way before her time. Brother and I had allergies Uh really, really bad. And so initially she read a book by Adele Davis, who's long gone, called Let's Eat Right to Keep Fit. Mm-hmm. who basically said you need to eat the widest possible variety of foods. You don't eat cured meats. You don't eat things that are blackened, you know, those kind of things. And mm-hmm. eat things in a, as whole a way as you can get them. Mm-hmm. So we started on whole foods. And by the time I was 10, there was actually a time in times then when I had a brother. There's six of us in seven years. So the brother right below me, I'm number two, so he's number three. We actually were both well at the same time. Mm-hmm. For the first time in a decade. Wow. So that was big. And it made an impression on both of us. Wow. And I shoot, for some reason, I was more interested in it. You know, my sisters were more into art and music. And I was Mm -hmm. kind of the science nerd Uh in the family. Uh And I just got interested in it. So when I was about 10, I started reading some of her books. Well, that's what I was taken by when we were together on that show was what, I mean, you sounded like a, I mean, you are a scientist. Yeah. That was my takeaways. Yeah. Wow. I've just got to have the scientist on the show. Yeah, I dig. I love to dig in that stuff. But really what hit me even before that, the reason I was then interested nutritionally, because I could see the change in my own body Mm -hmm. and how I felt. But I would, um, I was in mass and it was one of those readings from Genesis Mm -hmm. where God says, I've given you all these plants for your use. Mm. 
And it just hit me like more than in my brain, but in my soul. Mm. We have everything we need. Wow. We have everything we need for goodness and holiness and godliness. Yeah. We, he has given us what we need for our bodies. Yeah. We just have to get on his page about it. Wow. That's so so good. You know, and what a blessing for that um, to occur in your life at such a young age. I mean, most Mm -hmm. people are kind of coming to this realization. Well, you maybe you were needy at a young age, but it's really now at 40, you know, kind of in my 30s, maybe late 20s. You know when it was? It was when I when I I couldn't eat what I wanted anymore. Right. There were, (laughs) there were consequences to doing things as I had always done them. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden, wait, I have to think a little harder about this. Mm -hmm. And then once I began to think about it, I realized how powerless I was against it. Um, I mean, or seemingly so, I mean, I'm still, this is still, (laughs) this is still, you know, a fight for me. But so recently, um, a Gallup poll reported that 80% of American adults over age 25 are overweight Mm -hmm. and, um, all of them are trying unsuccessfully almost all of them are trying unsuccessfully to lose weight. Right. Um, 71% of women surveyed said that they think about their weight once per day. I'd be surprised if only 70% thought about it. I mean, I'm surprised they think about it just once. Just once. Right. It would probably be a whole lot more than that. Right. Yeah. Like every time they get dressed, like every time they're trying to shimmy into those jeans that are too snug. Right. Right. And then, you know, I work with college girls in a ministerial Mm -hmm. way and I can't tell you how often eating disorders come up. It's, it's prevalent. Um, and this is, as I mentioned, such an area of neediness for me. Um, this requires, like I said, I feel powerless against it. This Mm -hmm. requires such a tethering to God for me. Um, I kind of feel like I'm just not ever going to be able to wipe my hands of this one. It's something that I just keep returning to and returning to and my self-discipline. It runs out every single time. If I'm going to have any victory at all over this, it feels like it's just going to be a full surrender. It's going to be because God did it. And, and the thing is, is that right now he's not doing it. <laughs> well, it, it may be that you need to quit trying so hard. We need to take the stress out of eating. First mm-hmm. of all, you know, eating is supposed to be a, a pleasurable, joyful experience, usually that we do oh, in Donna, community. it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand that. But we have to look at it. We do it in community. And why do we do that? Mm-hmm. Because there is a sacredness to eating. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. God gives us his body and blood in the Eucharist mm-hmm. to eat. Mm-hmm. The Passover meal is not complete. You kill the lamb and do all of that. It's not finished until you eat it. Mm-hmm. There's something sacred about eating. Mm-hmm. Think of all the, the biblical references to food. Yeah. The land of milk and honey. You know, this wheat, this olive oil, this, you know, myrrh, this incense, this, you know, I mean, the, all these things yeah. that kind of revolve around. Living water, bread of life. Yeah, all yeah. of that. All of that. Yeah. There's just so many. So we've got to tune in to what God wants for our bodies. What does he want yeah. for our food? We have to look at the design of the body, which is why I ended up going back. You know, I'm, I'm a trained as a nurse, mm-hmm. right? Which originally I was going to, I thought I wanted to do pre-med and I kind of, Organic chemistry kind of kicked my rear, which is interesting because now I'm really interested in organic yeah. chemistry. I'm certain there are developmental leaps that happen I in agree our brain. <laughs> totally, totally. I mean, I so much wish I could go. I back took to statistics now. as a college student and literally got a 14 on mm-hmm. my test. I wrote at the bottom, "Have mercy, I just want to teach special education." <laughs> And then I took it again as a graduate student and just whizzed through it. Maybe it was taking it twice, but there are developmental leaps in our brains. I totally agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I'm still not sure I can do statistics very well. (laughs) 
I can read the studies, but having to construct them and all that's a whole different story. But so I ended up in nursing school, went through nursing school, but I just was a real pain, I'm sure. I mean, I actually was told so by numerous instructors because (laughs) I wanted to know the why. Uh Okay, I get why you were given this blood pressure medicine, but why is their blood pressure high? Don't we need to dig in there? Right. You know, so that, and that makes people really uncomfortable because they don't have an answer, number one. Because medically, typically what we do is treat symptoms. Absolutely. And call the absence of symptoms health. Right. That's not true. That has nothing to do with health. Mm -hmm. You treat the symptom and you don't get to the cause. The disease, while the symptoms may be abating underneath, the disease is continuing to to, um, progress. Well, you're talking about the this the sacredness yeah. of of eating and i know that that is not the case for me i'm casually you know grabbing what's convenient yeah. i'm um rushing through meals or i'm putting them off so that when i do sit down to eat it's desperate right. you know it, so it is without ceremony i would yeah. say in my life and so you're talking about um you know treating symptoms and not ever really getting to the root issue mm-hmm. i feel that for me spiritually, Mm -hmm. um, that there is kind of on my spiritual dashboard, there is an indicator light blinking. Okay. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. And it is how I'm eating. Something Mm -hmm. is off. Mm -hmm. And literally I don't know what it is, but it has taken this uncovering. And when I think about how that this is still an issue in my life, that if God isn't rushing to heal, then there must be something to gain from the hurt. And I think about Paul and his thorn Mm -hmm. and he's like begging against this thorn. And I'm, I'm, Paul, is your thorn a a pan of brownies? Because I feel you (laughs) brother. It's like the only way I can relate to Paul. (laughs) Well, no, but that's valid. I mean, that really is valid. So getting, so getting beneath kind of the things that are wrong with our eating what on your journey and learning mm-hmm. so much about this, what have you had to unlearn about food? Oh, mercy that there's a perfect diet. Mm. You know, that was when it, when the, when we finished mapping the human genome, you know, what has become apparent is that what works for me food wise may not work for you. Oh my Gosh, I hear so much freedom in that. There is so much freedom in that. I mean, exactly. There's freedom in that, and we just we don't we need to stop stressing about it. Number yeah. one, I okay. mean, we're, we have to eat, right. so we have to make peace with this, right? And you know, there was a blood type diet that came out. People that were type A should eat chicken, and people that are type B should eat seafood and rabbit or something, and you know, <laughs> on and on it is. It's just, I'm just like, oh, please. Are you, seriously? Right. Seriously? I mean, there may be some themes to that that you could kind of pay attention to in uh-huh. terms of inflammation or something like that. Okay. We are fearfully and wonderfully made beyond anything I ever right. could have imagined, like in nursing school. Yeah. So nursing school was one thing. And I didn't really agree with what I was doing with these patients. So mm. by that point, I was getting married, having kids, and at home. And so I was reading and studying a lot more about nutrition and ultimately went back to become a naturopathic doctor and an herbalist, okay. master herbalist. So um, the things I've had to unlearn, good gracious, most of what I learned about disease processes. Mm. We thought disease processes were you get exposed to this germ and it's it, like without any you doing anything, it just takes over and you get sick. Okay. Well, Pasteur said at the end of his life, it's not the germ, it's the terrain. 
So the reason I get sick and you don't Mm -hmm. is because your immune system's combating that. I got too tired. I ate a bunch of fast food. Mm -hmm. I didn't get enough sleep. And I'm super stressed out. And boom, I'm the one that gets sick. Yeah. It's the same germ. Right. Between you and me. It's the same germ. But you don't get sick and I do. Mm -hmm. So the germ theory is still how medicine kind of operates. Okay. Which isn't... As a nurse, I understand because right. our whole system's built that way. Mm-hmm. And it's going to have to shift as we go to genomic medicine. I feel like with other, so this being an addiction for me, mm-hmm. um, with other addictions, you know, you can, you can quit them. You can quit cold turkey. I will not smoke meth. I'm done <laughs> smoking meth. Um, I actually just had a friend write about this this morning very eloquently about her alcohol addiction and in her early days of sobriety. She just had to get to 1 a.m. because that was when the liquor stores closed. And if she could just get to 1 a.m., but then if she could get to 2 a.m., then that was when the bars closed. So if she could just get to 2 a.m., then the liquor stores were closed and the bars were closed and she had made it another day and then she could sleep. But when it comes to addiction, I want to go back to gut brain Mm -hmm. because it's the gut that's driving the addiction. Mm. It's in the brain, Mm -hmm. but because the gut is inflamed and it's not putting out serotonin and GABA and uh, dopamine, all these precursors to those hormones mm-hmm. and those neurotransmitters are all starting in the gut. Mm-hmm. Some, some say as much as 80% of serotonin is made in your gut. Hmm. Well, if your gut's not healthy, your brain's going to be really unhappy. Interesting. If you don't have enough dopamine, you're not going to be happy and satisfied. You're going to be craving. You're right. wanting that dopamine. Right. You know, alcohol, drugs, yeah. sugar, all that stuff. It's right. that dopamine. So. Okay, so let's talk specifically about those. So so as far as addiction addiction goes, you cannot just quit eating cold turkey. We have to eat. We have to eat. <laughs> we have to so, eat. So um, what, what can we eat? Mm-hmm. What should we avoid? You got into that a little bit just a, a couple seconds ago. What, what should we be eating? We need to eat real food. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to eat food that is recognizable to our body as food. Mm-hmm. Most fast food is not recognizable to our body anymore as food. It's an oil that's rancid, that's, um, you know, some of these oils are boiled and deodorized because if you really smelt what they smelt like, you would never eat food that had been cooked in there. So these oils are rancid, they're broken down, they are in highly, highly, highly inflammatory. And you don't want to eat any, and they're cheap. Mm-hmm. This is the problem. They're mm-hmm. cheap. Sure. So they put them in these fryers. And, and easy. And easy. Yeah. You put them in this fryer, you don't know who knows when they changed it last. I mean, there's regulations. I'm not sure exactly what the regulations are these days because I haven't checked in a while, but that you're supposed to change this oil every 48 hours or whatever. It may be there for weeks. Who knows? Once you heat that oil up and it starts to break down and all these free radicals are in there acting like a spur in your artery, well, rolling down the artery wall, just nicking it to pieces. Wow. And so what happens, cholesterol goes to the side to patch it. And we blame That's cholesterol quite... as though it's the problem. That's like shooting the first responder oh or my the goodness. ambulance driver. What know? amazing imagery. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, time out. This is not, we're shooting at the wrong target. Yeah. So... Huh. Um, so you eat real food. You eat things as close to the way nature provided them as you can. Uh-huh. And you pay attention. You listen to your body. How do I feel when I eat this? Right. Okay, so real foods. Um... So fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds that have not been processed, you know, not been roasted and salted in a little package at the 
food mart or whatever, not not those sunflower seeds. You want to get them organic. You want to know that they've not been sprayed. They need to be packaged in a package typically that will have some nitrogen in it that will keep it airtight Mm -hmm. because these things get rancid. You don't want to eat a rancid oil. Right. You don't want to cook with olive oil Mm -hmm. below. You want to keep it below 300 degrees because it starts to break down. Mm -hmm. Better to steam saute a vegetable. And then put olive oil on at the end, right before you serve it. Sure, good, good tip. Easy. (laughs) There are advantages to falling off a wagon and then getting back on and then falling off and then getting back on. And it's that I have a lot of comparative data. (laughs) So when I am eating healthy for me, eating healthy for my body, eating foods that my body likes, Mm -hmm. um, I have noticed, you know, maybe it started with, I just feel, I mean, of course, you know, the weight loss puts a pep in my step, but I just have some more energy and then I'll fall off again and realize, man, I am lethargic. Mm -hmm. And then I'll get back on again and I'm really, oh yeah, well, I know I gain energy, but my skin is great. And then I get back off and, you know, have a breakout or whatever. And then recent, most recent, and so things Mm -hmm. like that. So, um, I sleep better, you know, so all these things, these advantages, the latest one, Donna, is that with this latest fall off, I'm itchy. Uh-huh. I'm itchy. Uh-huh. Like my face itches. Uh-huh. I'm my hands and I'm itchy. Yep. It's systemic. It goes through the whole body system. I forgot to say mood. Absolutely mood. Oh that's, yeah. That's oh, yeah. a big one. And so you mentioning that serotonin might originate from gut. It's in the gut. Yeah. I, I mean, I had no yeah. clue, but that yeah. makes a ton of sense. All the brain happy chemicals start in there. Well, and even, you dopamine. know. Dopamine. Dopamine. That's the one, the pleasure center. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Gotta but have I, enough. um, you know, if it's a, say, a weekend or something, and I happened to have drinks like three nights in a row, mm-hmm. I feel it. Yeah. I, I can't drink three nights in a row. Yeah. I can, you know, so so alcohol is a big one. So let's talk about, th- so, okay, things that we should eat. Right. What, what should we avoid? What should we be avoiding? Um, you want to look at how your the animals you eat mm-hmm. are raised. So cows have four stomachs, mm-hmm. right? Because they are breaking down. It takes four stomachs to break down all that cellulose. And cows eat like 22, 23 hours a day. They just eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. They call them grazers for a reason, you know. So cows are designed, the design of their body is to eat grass. Okay. It is not to eat corn. It's not to eat genetically modified corn. Okay. Which is a big thing. You can fatten them up, you know, and they look, you know, world beefy and healthy like we're used to seeing cows in the field. Yeah. But that's not really what cows are supposed to look like. Okay. Okay, so you want their meat then has a different fatty acid profile and it's inflammatory. It's similar to those oils that when you cook them, we were talking about, they fry things in in the grocery store. It's a similar fatty acid profile. So they get, those oils get rancid Mm -hmm. and that meat is inflammatory. So you want to eat a cow that's been fed what it was designed to eat, which is grass. And the fatty acid profile of a cow that's been fed grass is similar to fish. Huh? There's omega-3s in it. They get it from the grass. Really? Yeah. Just wow. It changes their structure the same way it would change our structure. Yeah. And if we eat bad food, food that's... Sure. You know, there's a mystery meat that's coming out now that's going to look just like beef, just like hamburger, like you can't tell the difference. And it, it's been made in a lab. No. Yeah. I don't know, what, I don't know how they're going to end up labeling it, but I think they've released it. Why would anyone buy it? Because it's cheap. It's cheap. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we have done a great job in our country 
at being able to feed people cheaply. We spend less food, less dollars on our food than probably anywhere else. But what has the price been? Right. Chronic disease. Yeah. Diabetes, heart disease, cancer, autoimmune disorders. Yeah. You name it. All this, these issues, ADD, ADHD, I'm convinced that is very, very food related. Mm. Okay. So um, animals that aren't I, eating stuff they were designed to eat, what else should we be avoiding? Um, bad oils. Okay. Like we talked about. Yeah. I don't like things that are cooked. They ha- There's a kind of a movement. There, I can't remember the name of the cooking technique where it's in a plastic bag and you boil that bag. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, right. I don't want to eat anything cooked in plastic. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And we, I think you and I talked about this the other day that when you drink water, uh-huh. you don't want to just drink water by itself day in, day out, over and over and over. You want to have a little something in it. Put a slice of orange in there. Put a slice of lemon in there. The water in fruits and vegetables has a different structure than the water in your tap. Okay. It is structured in a way that our cells can absorb it. So you want to eat as much water as you can. Uh-huh. So eat fruits, eat vegetables. Put a slice of lemon in your water because it helps change the structure of the water. Okay. This is called the fourth phase of water, and it's more of a gel-like substance. And this is kind of new stuff. I mean, it's just kind of like mind blowing to me. I love this so much. <laughs> I love that you love it. This is great. I know I'm such I'm the biggest nerd in life. I love it. My husband, he said, I thought I was kind of gonna come up in my cool factor when I married you. He said, You are a complete nerd. I said, Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> I say that about Seth all the time, but, but I think it's hot. I'm like, I love it when you start talking geek. <laughs> So there, but literally this, this is the fourth phase of water is what they're calling it. And it's instead of H2O, which is what we think of as water, mm-hmm. this is H3O2. It's literally, it's what's okay. the structure in plants. Okay. Okay. So things to avoid, weird oils, carbonated um, drinks, like, so, I mean, Cokes. Okay, totes, yeah. Sodas, things like that. Chips. Mm-hmm. Chips are horrible. Yeah. I mean, there's some out there now that are cooked in avocado oil, which can tolerate the higher heat. There's even some out there that are cooked in coconut oil. Okay. But the point is, it's still a highly refined food. If you're craving sure. chips, yeah. go cut up a potato and drizzle it with olive oil and roast it at 400 to your liking, you know, to it's, okay. it's done enough. Okay. And eat that. Eat a real food. Okay. There's always a way to do it. Okay. To satisfy I that like craving. That. I So you're not even saying avoid the potato altogether. No. You're no. just saying I mean, be smarter I, about I probably don't want to eat them every day because it's, I did a, a test. This one was called Viome, but there's another one called Nutrition Genome, and there's a third one called Day 2. It's D-A-Y-T-W-O, and they're all .com. And they will take a cheek swab and give you your DNA analysis from that and tell you what you should eat no yeah and this day two that come the israelis just released this um an israeli company just released this and there's an app on your phone that you download and you literally can build a meal and it'll give you a grade as you build the meal so you say chicken and it'll say b minus you add broccoli that just gets you to a b you add a green green lettuce and that might get you to a b plus but you add a glass of red wine for that particular person, it goes to an A+. plus. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, things that everybody thinks would be healthy, like banana, D-, minus, banana with almond butter, A-. minus. Wow. It's, it's fascinating what we're learning. So you want to eat real food. If it's fast food, 
it's not good for you mm-hmm. as a general rule. Just, yeah. I mean, it's just, we got to try to avoid that. When are you going to tell us to avoid carbs and sugar? Are you going to tell us to avoid <laughs> carbs and sugar? The interesting thing about this day two study uh-huh. that I was reading, uh-huh. they took two groups of people uh-huh. and one of them, they fed high carbohydrate, uh, low protein, moderate, low to moderate protein, low to moderate fat. Then they switched it. Well, they did that for two weeks. And then they looked at all their markers, their labs, and they these people actually had a, a blood monitor that was implanted in them that they wore all the time. And so it was constantly giving them readouts so they could see blood sugar spikes, mm-hmm. you know, carb, uh, cholesterol spike, any kind of spike, any kind of abnormal blood reading they were able to record. So they two weeks on this. They let them wash out for two weeks and just eat whatever they wanted to. Then the two groups flipped. The high carbohydrate went to high protein, and or it's still moderate protein. But it's higher fat, and the uh, higher fat people went to low fat, high carbohydrate, and there was no consistency anywhere. Really, really, it was so individualized for that person. Really, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah. So I mean. I, Everything's fixing to shift here. Yeah. That, that is a huge that's a lo- that's, piece of information. That's a lot of, yeah. I mean, it's a huge shift in the way we... It's work. revolutionary. It is yeah. a paradigm shift. Yeah, it's completely revolutionary. So everyone has, you know... Everybody's different. We are uniquely, wonderfully, mm, fearfully made. Mm. And there's no one else like you yeah. in the whole world. Wow. There's no one else like me in the whole world. Some Doesn't people think that that's just, a good Isn't thing. that just a testament to the nearness of God? Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, you think about how our name's engraved on his palm. You think about how right. he knows how many hairs are in our head, mm-hmm. but that he created us to eat a certain way. Right. And you're talking about the sacredness of eating. And it's like, maybe this can be a sacred thing if it yeah. was handpicked for me by God. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, that just feels so near. Well, and even he gave us seasons. Of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, and here in Texas, nobody can grow strawberries in December. Mm-hmm. They're in the stores, but they've come from another mm-hmm. part of the world. Mm-hmm. They've come from from South America. Yeah. So if we t- kind of shift, Ayurvedics eat seasonally. Mm-hmm. You know, they have three seasons. There's this kind of spring, summer, there's kind of a summer, fall, and then there's that winter. In the spring, the, the fresh shoots start coming up Mm. you can grow lettuce in your yard in the Mm -hmm. in the early spring late Mm -hmm. winter early spring you can grow all kind of things in your yard then Mm -hmm. because it's not so hot Mm -hmm. you know so that's when we should be eating those things Mm -hmm. lots of greens lots of um you still may have some nuts from the winter you know Mm -hmm. from before Mm -hmm. from the Mm -hmm. fall or whatever you're finishing up a lot of times it's higher fat because that if we were really surviving off the land we would have killed something and all that would be left was the fat. Yeah. So, wow. and that's also a time of fasting for a lot of cultures. So then in the summer, all those fruits are ripe. And so people would eat more fruits because mm-hmm. it was readily available. Mm-hmm. You'd still be doing your greens. You'd still be doing, you know, you'd have the animals would have started to reproduce. Oh, well, they would have been reproducing. And so you could kill something mm-hmm. that was young and not so tough or whatever. And so you just kind of work through the seasons like that. Yeah. In the fall, the grasses are, are blooming and reseeding. So the wheat would be ripe in the fall. Yeah. That would be a good time to eat that. The root vegetables are starting to be, those are starting to be dug up 
You see yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. You kind of there's certain times to eat certain things. It's mm. a great challenge though, mm-hmm. eating eating in season. Right. That's, I like that. I right. like that a lot. That, and that feels manageable. That doesn't feel right. um, overwhelming to me right. to think about it that way. So you want to eat foods that are in as close to their natural state as possible. You want to eat properly raised animals. So that includes you don't want chickens that are shoved in some cage. And free range doesn't really mean anything. It okay. means the door to wherever they are they are mm-hmm. has to be open at least 15 minutes a day. Oh, gosh. It may be a teeny tiny door they don't even know is there because they're packed in there so tight. I use I, I get pastured eggs. You can get those at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. You just have to read the labels. Okay. Sometimes they'll, you just, most of them will say free, cage-free, mm-hmm. but that doesn't really that mean, doesn't anything. mean anything. And so you have to look for pastured. Pastured mm-hmm. eggs. Okay. So, um... So we use food to help us socialize. Mm-hmm. We use food to treat ourselves. We right. use food as a reward. Um, we used to use food to heal ourselves. Mm. Well, people were sick and they would, I mean, everybody's heard of chicken soup when you're sick. <laughs> and if you're using a properly raised chicken, mm. it can be extremely beneficial. That broth wow. is so nourishing. It's nourishing to the gut. It's also got, you add things like carrots and onions. You know, an onion, if you cut it and let it sit for a while, garlic too, Uh like 15 minutes, this compound called allicin develops and it's an antibiotic that will kill pathogens but not harm the the good bacteria in your gut. Wow. So we really need to use those things that nature's given us. Turmeric is one of the big popular ones right now because it's an anti-inflammatory. I've heard a lot about that one. Um, of, any any herb is going to be have all kind of different properties to it that fight inflammation, fight infection, that soothe us. Mm-hmm. You know, my one of my sisters is struggling right now because she's not sleeping very well, mm-hmm. and so she was going on a trip, and I gave her a list of some herbs to think about using. You know, to see if it would help her sleep. Mm-hmm. She gets her brain keeps going, mm-hmm. and I think what I said, I think passion flower was the one. Mm-hmm. I said, because she can't go to sleep. Mm, you know, I mm-hmm. tend to struggle in the middle of the night. I can't stay asleep. Stay asleep, right. So what did you tell her to take? Passion flower. Passion flower. Mm-hmm. Is that what is, an essential oil? It's a, you, you usually buy it in a tincture. Oh, tea. Is it tea? It's a tincture. So she could, it's in an alcohol, it's an alcohol tincture made from the herb. You could get it in a capsule. You could take it. What in. are you saying? A, a tincture? Tincture. T-I-N-C-T-U-R-E. Okay, so they put these... Donna, sorry. What's a tincture? (laughs) I assume everybody knows what I'm talking about. Um, Okay. Is it a tea? Is it an oil? Is it a pill? You could use it. Give me the passion flower. You could use it as a tea. Okay. Maybe. Okay, maybe. It probably wouldn't taste very good. A tincture is an... It's in alcohol. They soak these herbs in alcohol. Okay. For a certain period of time, however long. Yeah. And then they press that mash they, yeah, they okay. just pour it off and squeeze yeah. the mash and that is a t-shirt okay i was gonna go with t-shirt. it i was gonna go with it yeah and then for the benefit of the people okay. i'm like no i'm, <laughs> I'm not that gonna pretend that. i know what a tincture is so those herbal components are gonna get right to where they need so you just take a tincture of passion flower and, and it'll just knock you it out it comes in a it comes in a <laughs> bottle with, okay. a, with a plunger t- uh, top. And you put it in your mouth. You squirt it, yeah. You squirt it in your yeah. mouth. Okay. Okay, so I was what I was going to ask you was we use food for so many different things, mm-hmm. whether it's, um, you know, to celebrate or to reward ourselves mm-hmm. or even, you know, in a dark place to punish ourselves or right. to 
to numb pain. Mm-hmm. You know, we use food for a variety of different things. And I was going to ask you, what do we use food for? What should we be using it for? And you answered me before I even asked because it's this is just such an obvious place for you to go, but to heal. Healing. So food for healing. For nourishment. Mm-hmm. For celebrating community. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, one of the new things I just read, which we've all known instinctively, but now there's actual literal research to prove this, that in the elderly, those that have strong community age much better they mm-hmm. retain their memory better sure. they retain their health better yeah. and they just overall their mood is better because they have community yeah you know and we are such a fast-paced culture right mm-hmm. now and that says she who just is constantly going uh-huh. somewhere other than here yes you know? <laughs> yes um the the pace of our culture makes it hard to maintain community sometimes but it is the one of the most important things we do because God is a communion of persons. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we know that that community's got to be really important. So relational. And yeah. yes, yes, and incarnational. You know, mm. the whole human aspect of God becoming man. Mm. I, I just that's what probably my favorite mystery of the Rosary is yeah. the incarnation, mm. the Annunciation. Mm-hmm. You know, that He became one of us. Mm. You know, so we have to because God became man we have to honor our humanness Mm -hmm. you know we have to treat ourselves the way god would Mm -hmm. you know because we are what he created yeah you know we and in doing in in treating our treating ourselves with kindness with goodness with holiness we honor him Mm -hmm. and food is part of that yeah you know in the spiritual life there's nothing that's really neutral you're, it's either helping you or it's pulling you away mm-hmm. if you really analyze it. There's yeah. not much that's neutral. That's great. That's and deep. Food's really the same way. Yes. You know? Yes. And so we have to think, okay, is this honoring God if I eat this whole pan of brownies? Mm-hmm. No. It's one okay? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Especially after a big meal. You know, that's a safer time to eat something like that because yeah. you're not going to have as much of a blood sugar spike. Okay. If you're going to eat a dessert, go ahead and eat a dessert. Yeah. And enjoy it. Yeah. But just remember that your stomach doesn't have any taste buds. So <sighs> chew slowly. Yeah. Leave it in your mouth a long time yeah. and enjoy it. Yeah. And then move on. That's so good. Yeah. I needed to hear that. That's really yeah. good. I mean, it's not that we can't ever have something fun. Yeah. You know, once once the that word, that bad word, four-letter word, diet comes into uh-huh. it, we stop listening to our bodies. Because yeah. we've given that over then to something else on this piece of paper that says I'm supposed to eat X, Y, Z. Right. And not ABC. Exactly. So listen to your body. And it made me compulsive about the ABC. Right. Where I had never been compulsive about it before. Right. I will say that I feel like people that this is easy for, or uh-huh. people who don't struggle with this the way I do... Um, I've noticed that they enjoy being in the kitchen mm-hmm. <laughs> and I really don't. Um, I have to, you have to make friends with it. Yeah. You have yeah. to make friends with it. It's time to eat and people get in the car. Yeah. We got to change that. You know, I had a, a sweet girlfriend who we were, it was while exercising. We were kind of lamenting about, you know, getting our act together. And she was like, yeah, I mean, I started praying for Jesus to just teach me how to love a salad. And I was <laughs> like, that's hilarious because I never thought to pray for that. Yeah. You know, but you, but I can true. pray to mm-hmm. enjoy my kitchen more. Yeah. I can take that to the Lord. <laughs> well, even, even say, Lord, how can I love my family? How can I help my family 
to me, I mean, I love my family by cooking healthy things for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just one of the ways I love my people. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoying food that is nourishing to their body mm-hmm. so their body can be healthy and not worry, not have to be worried because I've got this pain or this ache or my stomach hurts or whatever. Yeah. They're eating something that's nourishing, which frees them up. You know, when, when those, when all those other things are in order, mm-hmm. your, your natural direction is up. Yeah. You know, good. it's our heart that's longing really for good. Christ. Oh, that's beautiful. So, does that make sense? Yes, it's gorgeous. I um I, and I feel that that desire that that nowhere else to go but up. I feel I can relate to that in yeah. fasting. Oh yeah. Um, where you know the kind the pain of it mm-hmm. or the discomfort of it is a is a return to prayer. Um, and so can you talk a little bit about oh. fasting and then we'll call it good. But okay. I don't I don't want to let you go without talking about fasting. Well, fasting is a tool that cultures have used forever mm-hmm. I mean even if you watch an animal if they're sick mm-hmm. like a dog well if they don't feel well they'll go out there and eat grass and they'll make themselves throw up mm-hmm. and then they don't want to eat mm-hmm. they they instinctively will fast mm-hmm. because fasting does <clears throat> excuse me it does several things it makes our cells more sensitive to insulin so when the blood sugar is high and the body says okay we got to get this into the cells insulin you don't have to, you won't need as much insulin to get that sugar in. What we have in our culture today is this chronically high insulin, chronically high blood sugar. Yeah. It's hugely inflammatory and wrecking our organs. Right. And wow. so it kind of fixes that problem. Okay. It also induces our body to clean up pieces of proteins and mm. just cellular debris as, mm. as our bodies are going through their cycles. You know, mm. the cells are always re- replicating and then dying, replicate, die, replicate, die. So you're encouraging the ones that aren't quite dead mm. to go ahead and get on with the program mm-hmm. so the body can kind of clean house. Wow. And fasting will induce, it's called autophagy. Ah, oh, okay. Auto meaning self and phage meaning eat. So okay. it's eating, uh, eating your, it's just garbage disposal, really. Yeah, Which is wonderful. So fast, back to fasting. What I try to do a lot of days is intermittent fast. Mm-hmm. So I get up in the morning and we have two dogs that are bonkers. And so <laughs> they're ready to go outside and they're so glad to be alive and all that. So let them out. And then I... And all that. <laughs> well, and I make their food in the morning and then I will make a, some green tea or some coffee or whatever I feel like drinking that day. And I'll put some fat in there. And that keeps my insulin level low, keeps my blood sugar at a lower, you know. And then, you know, I say my prayers, I get on my little app or whatever, and it's just it's just a quiet time. Sometimes I don't do anything. I just sit and look at the trees mm-hmm. and think, how fascinating is that? <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And so it, it frees you up time-wise mm-hmm. in the morning mm-hmm. and gives you some time for me, before anybody else gets up, yeah, only the animals are up. But you know, it's just peaceful, quiet time, and I don't have to be stressed out making a big breakfast or whatever. Now we do eat breakfast on the weekends. Mm-hmm. So, so on your normal routine that you wake up, deal with dogs, have tea, uh-huh. sit and enjoy. When would you start your meal? When um, would you eat that day? It's different every day. It mm-hmm. depends too on if I've done a workout. Mm-hmm. You know, if I've done heavy weights, I'll I'll eat lunch. If it's been a really hard workout, I'll eat lunch. Mm-hmm. If it like today, it wasn't really hard, so I still haven't eaten. Okay. And it's what is it, one thirty? Mm-hmm. 
And so then you'll just have a big dinner? Yeah. Or I might have a handful of pumpkin seeds in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Or just, I just kind of, I'll start eating. I try to limit. Today I'm going to try to limit my eating window to about three hours. Okay. So we'll probably eat dinner about six or seven. So three or four I'll have something. Okay. And I might kind of graze between three and between three and four and seven. So the goal of your intermittent fasting is to narrow your eating window. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, because it just knocks that inflammation down. Okay. And it, I like what it does for my brain. Okay. You know, I'm take I take some online courses in nutrition and different yeah. energetic healing state things, yeah. and um, gives me time to study. Yeah. It helps my brain get in gear. Okay. Well, you we do you hear a lot about intermittent fasting these mm-hmm. days, mm-hmm. so that is something that has that is something that has caught on. Well, I, I think there's some real benefits to it. Mm-hmm. I don't think you have to do it every day. I think you can do it a couple of days a week. Okay. I think you can do it, you know, three times a week. I don't think anybody really has to do it every day unless you have blood sugar issues. And in that case, you have to really monitor yourself mm-hmm. because if you're going to start fasting, you're going to need, it depends on two if you're type one or type two. Type ones have got to be super careful. Um, and most endocrinologists would tell you they should never fast fasting is healing yeah that's really good well i appreciate you you are a wealth of knowledge you know as you've been talking i've been wanting to camp out at your beautiful house and for you to lead seminars we should have a retreat learning all of this i'll teach yoga we can invite people it's a weekend we can learn how to make meals together we i mean i think we might be onto something i think we might be it'd be great we got the house for it um the bible teaches us to do everything for god's glory and you have just done such a wonderful job applying that idea oh. to your body i just well, love learning about this from you it's Thank our you vehicle so much. Yeah. you know it's the vehicle that we're going to pass through this world in mm-hmm. you know and then it's going to pass away and all the quirks that we have in our bodies are going to be gone we're going to get a new one in heaven i mm-hmm. love that Ugh. we serve a kind and gracious god mm-hmm. and it's just you have taught me a lot about um how much there is to discover about how intimate he is. I mean, to think that it can be this intricate, this personal is fascinating. Yes. Well, and also this uh, whole episode was a little contest in how many times I can say fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is fascinating. It does blow my hair back. Totally. I mean, the more I learn about the body, the more... The bigger God is to me, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. God's cool. thumbprint, his fingerprint, his nuance is all over our body. Yeah. Not just in our cell, but deep in the mitochondrial function. I mean, it's amazing and blows my hair back every day. I'm so privileged to get to study this. Oh, yeah. So cool. I well, love thanks it. for sharing your brain with us. Um, I, I know passion. that there's so much more, so oh, will you come back? Absolutely. I love sure, it. Sure, sure, sure. Thank you, Donna. Thank you. And now, a word from our sponsors, Hustle 3. You guys, I'm so excited about this. With five kids and a jillion activities to get them to, I don't have time to add a private baseball lesson into the mix, but my newest sponsor, Hustle 3, has come to the rescue. With a very reasonably priced monthly subscription service, 
All I have to do is take a video of my son hitting a baseball on my phone and then load it up to Hustle3.com, where an expert coach breaks down his swing frame by frame and gives him drills to work on that are specific to his needs. A few weeks later, I upload another video and the training continues. I can stop the subscription at any time and then restart it once the next season's here again. If my son ever decides to start pitching, I'm going to be using Hustle3.com to get him expert instruction from, get this, a former Major League Baseball pitcher. Where else could I get my son access to this kind of training on my time with no driving around town and at an affordable price? I don't know much about baseball mechanics, but evidently, that's what he's learning. The drills teach him muscle memory patterns that don't just get him better, but help him to avoid injury down the road. I'm going to be a member of Hustle 3 community for years to come, and you should too. So if you think you might be interested, head over to Hustle3.com. Give it a try yourself. My best friend and I certainly don't have all the answers, but that's never stopped us when it comes to matters of the heart from trying to comprehend, evaluate, analyze, apply, and synthesize. Wait, is that Bloom's taxonomy? I knew we were onto something. This is me, my best friend Kristen, and your questions. Rachel, love it. Allison. I love having you on. Uh, it's so easy. Oh, thank you. I, I looked at you, you and was like, do you know what we're talking about? And you're like, no, but I'm game. It's fine. <laughs> we'll find something to I talk mean, about. something will come up, for sure. So you are um, replacing Beefy. Which is just, I mean, at, at first when you asked me to do this, I was initially like kind of beside myself oh. and then followed by like extreme panic, like, oh, like beefy shoes that's really sweet are you listening beefy (laughs) so it's funny because I could ask her and you know hey do you want to get back into the Uh you know podcast and she would be like of course but I'm kind of um, forcing her on bed rest you're protecting her I love that sometimes we need protecting I just had a really interesting conversation about health and food and eating and wellness and this has been such a sore subject for me yeah like I can it feels like no matter what, I can't ever get this thing down. I am exactly in those same shoes. What's going on? I mean, you know, if we're just talking about like food, I think one of the things that I've, it's really um, become so evident to me over the last few months that I've really started paying attention to my health and, and really just kind of focusing on that. The Lord was just very clear. Like you can't carry all the things I'm asking you to carry if you are not actively taking care of yourself. And that includes eating right. right. But you know, the thing is, is that food is such an easy fix to sometimes when I'm feeling like some yeah. feelings right and um and sometimes I don't make the best choices in those moments sure and um anyway it's just it's hard I do try to look beneath it because I'm like mm-hmm. okay if if there's if there's something underneath this impulse mm-hmm. how can I get to the very bottom of it to know really what that trigger is right for that kind of mindless reach right for comfort yes and how do I choose the Lord instead. Yeah. And I, I can talk myself out of it every single time. I've heard from alcoholics that Uh alcohol is cunning Uh 
And it feels that way to me. Yes. Like it can, it can, it, it's very sneaky yes. for me. Yes. And it's so funny because sometimes the more I try to control my food choices, the more out of control it can get. For example, I've just come off of this kind of like nutritional challenge and it was my birthday this weekend. And so I indulged and then it just kind of got a little crazy out of hand. In fact, today I was going to lunch with my husband and I texted him. I said, because he was like, where do you want to eat lunch? And I said, Whataburger, don't try to talk me out of it. Yes. right. <laughs> like, I don't even want to be talked out of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Whataburger is delicious. And mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. anyway, it's just, it seems like sometimes more that I try to put like, you know, a grasp on it. Right. It, it just can, it. It almost is, it almost and it backfires. ends up backfiring like yeah. that pulled back rubber band mm-hmm. just ends up releasing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think that, you know, Donna really covered that in the episode, which was that this is really about moderation and balance. Mm-hmm. This is really about what works for your body, which mm-hmm. I felt a lot of freedom in. It's not mm-hmm. just, you know, finding the magic diet, right. you know, it's going to be different for me than it is for you. And I've spent so much time trying to copy mm-hmm. down people's meal plans that work yeah. perfectly for them. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then that strict adherence makes me feel rebellious. Yes, me too. I mean, it just, it like has this opposite effect to me mm-hmm. to where, and, and, you know, food is meant to be enjoyed and, mm-hmm. and really just kind of finding the balance. It's, you know, there's, there's so many aspects of it, you know, really food can sometimes be a way to check out and Absolutely, like, and yes. I do not need to be checking out of my life. Yeah. Like I need to be making like intentional choices yeah. that nourish my body and it does. And, and I'm just such an all or none girl. Right. And I've really got to look at the the long term and not so much like short term yeah yeah that's good the short term um okay so question from our listener is is there a diet that works for you and if there is what is it there just isn't one I don't know if I'm just like some kind of like you know special an unfortunate special <laughs> you know like we larry my husband and i we can go on a large club diet he lives 30 pounds i live lose like 1.2 mm-hmm. you know yeah. and like, and then it just all comes back yeah um you know i think really it's it's really more about choosing the foods that i feel um that make me feel good right. you know and right. um and just kind of making i have a, a nutritionist friend that she was like just make the better choice like it's not even right. make the perfect choice right it's that if you are at Waterburger, maybe yeah. you make the best choice you can yeah. make there yeah that's good and just kind of give yourself freedom and peace and um and and you know not be so like restrictive yeah. or you know self harming mm-hmm. even like with just you know kind of eliminating some of these. It works great for some people. I'm just not one of those people. So like you, I'm an all or nothing person. And if I have, if I'm on a diet and I have a cookie, I'm like, well, then let's finish the sleeve. (laughs) (laughs) Might as well. (laughs) So that's what, for me, that's what's dieting. Dieting Uh has been about, which I'm realizing has been really unhealthy for Uh me. So did I cut out carbs and sugar? Yes. Did I lose a ton of weight? Yes. Uh Did I like the way I looked? Yes, uh-huh. it made me compulsive about eating cheese. <laughs> yes. So I'm like, at what cost? Yes. You know? Yeah. And so really I think a better pursuit of holiness for me uh-huh. is figuring out how to not overeat. Yes. And that has less to do with which food exactly. Absolutely. If I can control my portion, uh-huh. then you can really kind of... That's right. Yeah. And really, you know, I mean... It's kind of like, what's the deeper issue that I am just like, exactly. forget it. Exactly. And like, you know, like, you know, nothing else in our, in our journeys are like perfection or nothing. Right. Like why oh, is that's food good. different? That's so good. Thanks, Rach. You nailed it. Well, 
Thank goodness. <laughs> now if we could just walk this out, right? Yeah, I'm like, and now on my way home. <laughs> Cheers. Uh, exactly. Love you, friend. Love you, Allison. I've never met anyone like Mary. Well, technically, I've never met Mary. You see, we're internet friends, but don't let that fool you. This internet connection runs deep. Mary is so many things all at the same time. With one sentence, she can make me laugh, cry, think, and deeply, deeply feel. There's just something about Mary. You'll see. When I think of nourishment, I think of more than simply feeding. Feeding, to me, implies filling up something that is empty to prevent death. Nourishment takes that a step further, from preventing death to promoting love and life, from filling empty places to encouraging growth and thriving. As a mom of many, I am always able to feed everyone something, but I am not always able to truly nourish everyone. We have lots of strong food aversions, definite preferences, and some sensory textural difficulties that make nourishing a challenge. Making a single meal that not only feeds everyone, but helps them know they are loved and encouraged is tricky. If you were to make a Venn diagram where every family member was represented by a circle, and in that circle you wrote everything they would willingly eat, the center point of overlap is almost too small to be seen. But making those meals that appear in the middle of that diagram, that's my favorite thing to do. It's not just because it's easier, less hassle and struggle to get through a meal when you're not arguing about it. It's because everyone walks away feeling truly, really nourished. They go away from the table, away from where we've been propping each other up, not just filled, but grown larger, more confident, more content. I hope you and your loved ones are truly nourished today. God, we bring to you the longings of our souls. We might not even understand these longings completely, but we feel the pangs. Help us to tend to these pangs in godly ways. Give us farsightedness that allows us to make wiser choices regarding how we seek comfort. Feed us, God, in ways that best nourish our souls and that intensify our love for you. We are here on earth, and you have given us these bodies. Help us to treat them as the temples that they are, housers of your spirit. Father, you are mighty and strong to sustain us. Please forgive us for forgetting how many pray for food, how many people hunger. God, inspire our hearts to seek out ways that we might help them from our abundance. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
And for this episode, a special thank you to Chan Redfield for music, Rachel Levitt, Donna Hannes, Mary Bishop, and Pamela Anthony Cutright. Please like, subscribe, leave reviews, follow us on Instagram at Allison M. Sully, and Facebook at Allison M. Sullivan. For more of Mary's writing, check out her blog at madeforordinarytime.wordpress.com, and be sure to check the mini-episode for extras.